Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. You've probably heard many of the pundits touting facts about the church dying. The fact is, mainline churches are definitely seeing a decline in attendance. That said, Pastor J.D. believes that the people leaving mainline churches are actually going to Bible-teaching churches. People are tired of the pablum that is being fed them. There is a hunger for God's Word. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on February 4th. 2018. One of the reasons I felt that it was necessary that I start with this is because it's believed that this is only the beginning. There are more memos that will be coming out, and there's also talk of over 13,000 sealed indictments that will soon be handed out. I don't know if you've been following this. It's uh, been developing since last year, but uh, there is this possibility of the inre- arrests and imprisonments of high-level officials, which is unprecedented in the history of this country. There are some very powerful people that have some things to hide. And it's now potentially being shouted from the rooftops. And again, the reason I I start off with this is because I cannot see a scenario, regardless of what happens with this, and there certainly is the possibility that nothing happens. And I I guess if it comes to not, we shouldn't be surprised. It won't be the first time, nor will it likely be the last time. But either way, or however this goes, or whatever happens in the days and weeks ahead, I cannot imagine a scenario that... Uh, this bodes well for the future of America. Again, I don't want to sound alarmist or sensational, but there are some who are suggesting that if this really happens, that this country will just implode. Can you imagine the riots? Can you imagine what would happen to this country and in this country Let me put it into perspective. Um, I think uh, the most there's ever been in terms of sealed indictments was something like over a 1,000, and that was the highest. And we're talking about over 13,000 sealed indictments. There is so much corruption that has been covered up, and it's on the highest levels, the highest rankings in the U.S. government. And if this happens... I, I gotta tell you, and again, I, 
it's going to be unthinkable. And it might in some ways explain the absence of the United States of America from the pages of Bible prophecy. Just saying. Oh, pastor, you're starting to sound uh, like one of those conspiracy guys. Well, we'll see. We'll see. This brings us to this Ynet News article on Tuesday about the IDF chief of staff warning of a possible calm before the storm on Israel's northern border, saying that despite relative quiet, many challenges were awaiting the army stemming from the Hezbollah terror movement's increasingly powerful capabilities. Jerusalem Post also reported on this in an editorial titled Signs of War. In it, the writer says, If, or perhaps more accurately, when war breaks out again on the northern border with Iranian proxy Hezbollah, the international community won't be able to claim it was not forewarned. Israel has been telling anyone willing to listen that Iran is entrenching itself in Syria and is developing precision missiles in Lebanon designed to be fired at Israel. And Israel has no intention of sitting by idly while Tehran does it. During his visit to Moscow on Monday, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu made this clear to Russian President Vladimir Putin. He said, if Iran is not stopped, Netanyahu reportedly told Putin, then Israel will stop it. Does that sound a little bit like Ezekiel 38 and with it even Isaiah 17? Doubtless you've heard the expression that the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, such is the case when it comes to Saudi Arabia, who's mentioned in Ezekiel 38, verse 13 specifically, becoming a friend of Israel vis-a-vis the common enemy of Iran. I mention that because I believe what we're seeing is the beginning of the fulfillment of these two key prophecies, starting with uh, Isaiah 17 concerning Damascus, Syria. I watched a documentary just last night on Bashar al-Assad. Very um, disturbing (laughs) what's happening in Syria and to Syria. And I, I hope you understand that Russia and Iran today are in Syria and stand at the ready vis-a-vis Syria to attack Israel, exactly as we're told in the prophecy in Ezekiel 38. I believe that we are witnessing the astonishing alignment of every nation to a nation, especially and perhaps most interestingly as it relates to Saudi Arabia. Now, again, keep in mind that Uh, It is very possible that in verse 13, where we're told that Sheba and Dedan, which is modern-day Saudi Arabia, will, along with the young lions of Tarshish, which some believe to be the United States of America and the UK, will simply and merely protest this attack 
by, that's led by Russia and Iran against Israel. Now, if that's the case, then what I want to talk about really begins to make sense. So you have Saudi Arabia all of a sudden now that is allied with Israel. And they are, by the way. And the United States that somehow has been rendered or reduced to only being able, along with the UK, if that's who the young lions of Tarshish is referring to, they've been reduced to only protesting this attack in Ezekiel 38, according to verse 13. Now, let me uh, quote uh, Arutz Sheva. <laughs> they had a Saudi blogger in a video that went viral saying, quote, and you'll forgive me, the Palestinians can go to hell. <laughs> they betrayed the Arab world. Let me just share a couple of quotes. Well, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is still nominally allied with the Palestinian Authority. A longtime client of the oil-rich custodian of Islam's holiest sites, speaking of Mecca and Medina, recent reports suggest ties between the two have been cooling in recent years. I think that's an understatement. Covert cooperation with Israel, this is Saudi Arabia, with Israel against the common foe of Iran along with the support of some Palestinian Arab factions of the Tehran regime, have encouraged the Saudi leadership to push the PA to accept a negotiated peace with Israel, even on terms less favorable than previous offers. According to a bombshell report in December, Saudi Arabia is even weighing its own peace agreement with the Jewish state without the establishment of a Palestinian state or final status agreement between Israel and the PA. A fundamental shift, listen, a fundamental shift in the kingdom's position. This is going to come back full circle in a moment, so hang on to that. Speaking of a fundamental shift, the Jerusalem Post is suggesting that what's needed is not a paradigm shift, but a change of leadership in both Jerusalem and Ramallah, and possibly in Washington. And this is under the banner of the two-state solution, so-called, being, quote, the only game in town. It was this ominous conclusion at the end of the article that really caught my attention, and I want to draw your attention to it. Listen, the two-state solution may be on life support, but it remains the only game in town. The next attempt to reach a breakthrough must not fail. Do you see a kind of a common thread here? The calm before the storm must not fail, unprecedented, well, enter one Jared Kushner and this fascinating article in the National Interest titled, Don't Ignore Kushner's Quiet Mideast Gains. Listen to this. What little coverage Kushner has received has varied from skeptical to scornful. And tellingly, he hasn't tried to dispel the pundit's prejudices. He doesn't travel with reporters or invite press attention. His few appearances are fleeting and uneventful. Behind the scenes, he is making surprising progress. 
The article goes on to cite the reasons for Kushner's surprising progress. And what I find so fascinating is that one of the reasons is, listen to this, quoting, Kushner has befriended Saudi Arabia's 31-year-old deputy crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman. Remember him? We've been talking a lot about him. Both are seen as tech-savvy, young disruptors of the status quo, and both favor practical solutions over symbolic displays. Again, I ask, do you see a common thread here? Do you see a common denominator here? And by the way, do you see how that comes back full circle? Saudi Arabia allied with Israel against Iran, the common enemy who is already with Russia at all in Syria at the ready. It's all coming together. And that's the common denominator with these and many like them is that they all point to this aforementioned calm before the storm, as it were. To me, it seems like something has to give at some point. And I say that because I'm having a hard time imagining that things continue as they are for a prolonged period of time. You know, especially here in the United States. It does seem, I mean, it does reasonably seem that something is going to have to give at some point. I cannot see a scenario in which it continues in the way that it has. And I realize that this can paint a rather perilous picture of what the future holds for those who do not know the one who holds the future. I'm not trying to be clever when I say that. But maybe I can say it in a different way. For us, because we know how this ends, as students of God's Word, and especially when it comes to Bible prophecy, this is rather exciting, isn't it? Jesus said these things must happen in order for the end to come. So for us, it points to our redemption drawing ever so nigh. So there is a a sanctified, if I can say it that way, a sanctified excitement on our part. But what about those who do not know the Lord? Well, stay with me. I want to try to tie all of this together before we partake together of the communion table. In recent weeks, I've been sharing some encouraging news about how that Many are coming to Christ because of the peril that they see in the world today as evil waxes worse and worse seemingly by the day. There's this um, really interesting report in The Federalist about a new Harvard research that found U.S. Christianity is not shrinking but growing stronger. Let me uh, quote from the report. Religious faith in America is going the way of the yellow pages and travel maps we keep hearing. It's just a matter of time until Christianity's total and happy extinction chortle our cultural elites. Is this true? Is church going and religious adherence really in widespread decline 
so much so that conservative believers should suffer growing anxiety? Two words, absolutely not. New research published late last year by scholars at Harvard University and Indiana University Bloomington is just the latest to reveal the myth. Mainline churches are tanking as if they have supersized millstones around their necks. Yes, these churches are hemorrhaging members in startling numbers, but many of those folks are not leaving Christianity. They are simply going elsewhere. And this is how I want to tie it all together. It's my belief that they're going elsewhere because they're searching for answers in a church where God's Word, the whole counsel of God's Word is preached. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said in chapter 3, verse 15. He says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Here's what I'm thinking. People are smart. They see what's going on. And they're asking questions, and these are good questions, and they're intelligent questions, and they deserve a biblical answer. They're asking questions. What's to this whole situation in Israel? What about Iran? What about this whole thing with Russia? What about what's going on in Syria? They're asking those questions. And they're searching for somebody that has the answer. Do we not have the answer? Are we not the ones who have the answer of that hope that we have? As they see what's happening in the world, what a grand opportunity for us to give them that answer. What's the answer? What's that hope? The hope is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Or if you prefer the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Listen to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to read verses 1 through 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received. And here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, the third day, according to the Scriptures. That's the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news. It's been said that preaching is telling you what to do, whereas teaching is telling you how to do it. I mention that because... In preaching the gospel, I also want to teach you how to respond to the gospel, and I want to do so by way of the ABCs of salvation. 
This is the simple, childlike gospel, starting with the A, which stands for admit that you're a sinner or acknowledge your sin and your need for a Savior. Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous, not even one. We were all born sinners, which is why we must be born again, Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 3, to see the kingdom of heaven. Romans 3, verse 23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, this is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, as we just saw, the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We are saved by grace through faith. It's the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. This is what Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. If you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And then the C is for call upon the name of the Lord. And this again is Romans 10, 9, and 10. It also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And Romans 10.13 lastly says, and please listen, because I make no assumptions that everyone here today in this beautiful church that I am privileged to pastor is born again. And I want to say to you today that if you've never called upon the name of the Lord, I implore you to do so today before you leave this church. Romans 10.13 says, All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Father in heaven, I, I thank you so much. I thank you, Lord, for the more sure word of Bible prophecy. I thank you that you've told us what's going to happen before it happens, so that when we begin to see it happen, that non-believers would believe and believers would look up and lift up their heads knowing that our redemption draws nigh. Lord, as we see everything that's taking place in the world today, the uncertainty of the future that lies ahead, it drives us to you. That's the certainty. That's the anchor. That's the hope. So Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody here today or somebody watching online that has never put their trust in you or called upon you to be saved, that today they would, that today would be the day of their salvation, that they would not put it off any longer, that today They would make the most important decision of their lives for eternal life. And thank you, Lord, for making it simple. Thank you for making it childlike simple. Thank you that it's all of grace. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for this special edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Now, it's so important that you hear the purpose behind these prophecy updates that Pastor J.D. shares. 
The purpose is to see people just like you come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When you're right with the Lord, you'll be ready for the Lord and His soon return. You can do this by first admitting you're a sinner, that you've broken God's perfect law. Second, you need to confess that there's nothing you can do to fix this. You can't attend church enough, you can't pray enough or give enough money. There's nothing you can do to atone for your sins. Third, you must realize that there is someone who can. His name is Jesus Christ, and He is the Savior of the world. He gave His own life so that you wouldn't have to experience the penalty for your sins, which is death. Please, if you're listening today, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and escape the realities of the prophecies that are being fulfilled all around you. For more information about what it means to be born again into the kingdom of God, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and select the New Believers option. Again, that web address is InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. In the next edition of In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. will be teaching through God's Word just like he does Monday through Thursday. And then don't forget to join us next Friday and Saturday for another timely prophecy update. Until then, may God bless you and keep you in his love.